own, sheep will very blindly follow a leader in that flock if the shepherd is not around. It's been written they have even followed another sheep to their death uh, when a shepherd has been absent from leading them. The Bible describes us as sheep. Sheep, Isaiah says, that have gone astray, each of us having turned to our own way. People wandering like sheep, afflicted, Zechariah says, for lack of a shepherd. Jesus looks out upon the crowds as we come to this passage here this morning. These crowds of people that are following him and has compassion on them because uh, Matthew records they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus describes himself as we have read and considered these I am statements as the gate to the sheep fold, the the opening to the sheep pen. And he says here in this passage before us in chapter 10, verses 11 through 21, that he is the good shepherd. Turn with me, won't you, to John 10, verses 11 through 21. And as we read through this, see if you follow along with me, that you can see how Jesus describes him one himself as one as the good shepherd of the sheep who knows his sheep personally, who protects his sheep fully, and who provides for his sheep providentially. John chapter 10. Verses 11 and following. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, for I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words, and many of them were saying, He is a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? 
Here ends the reading of God's word. The grass withers, the flowers fade and fall. But these words of our Lord God endure forever. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, gracious Lord and King Jesus Christ, the one who is the great shepherd of the sheep, we come submitting ourselves to you here. Open our ears that we might hear, our eyes that we might see, and our hearts that we might faithfully respond to your spoken word. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Several years ago, Don and I had an opportunity to accompany a choral group. Uh, We were living in Marion, Alabama. Judson College and Marion Military Institute are institutions in that small little town of probably around 1,500 people. We accompanied this choral group, this uh, singing group from Judson College, to a trip uh, in England, Scotland, and Wales. There were many memorable events that occurred over that uh, uh, two-week period of time. Places we visited, things we saw, But one of the pictures that is indelibly etched in my mind even now is as we traveled on this uh, bus, um, a Greyhound-type bus, through Wales, was the countryside of Wales. The rolling, undulating hills, the mountainsides, and the moorlands covered, spotted with sheep. What a picture that was. It seemed, as I recall, thousands of sheep, probably not quite thousands, but even so, uh, I'm told that there are in excess of 10 million sheep farming in that country. Many, many sheep scattered everywhere across that country. Well, sheep are scattered everywhere across the pages of our Bibles as well. As early as Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, we hear about Abel, a keeper of flocks, a tender of sheep. Sheep and shepherding are common themes in the lives of the Old Testament characters that we have come to know and to uh, be familiar with and love. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, his brothers, David and his brothers, the sons of Jesse, were all shepherds of sheep. Sheep are everywhere in the scriptures. They are an important part of uh, the source of food and the life of Old Testament people and the scriptures and even in the New Testament. We're told uh, in the Old Testament that Solomon, his provisions for one day were 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal. That is in excess of 150 to uh, up to 300 barrels of flour and meal. One day, 
ten fat oxen, twenty pasture-fed oxen, a hundred sheep one day, besides the deer and the gazelles and the roebucks and the fattened fowl. First Kings 4, 23, tell us that that was the provision for one day for Solomon and his entourage. Sheep were not just a source of food, they were also uh, used for sacrifices under the Levitical law. God commanded that the firstborn of every flock be offered up to him as a tithe and a sacrifice. Sheep were the primary animals used for burnt offerings, for peace offerings, for sin offerings and guilt offerings. And on the high feast day, that day of Passover, a family would gather together in their home, sit down and consume a sheep together. Sheep just weren't eaten and sacrificed. Uh, they were also used for many other things. Uh, their sheepskin was turned into containers for wine and water. Clothing was a provision made from sheep. Wool and the sheepskin, coverings and parchments to write upon. Early parchment paper was made out of sheep. Skin. Sheep bones and horns were made into writing utensils. Sheep were essential to daily lives. They were everywhere. The Jews who were listening to Jesus would have immediately and without hesitation known what Jesus meant when he spoke of a sheep and shepherding, and the gate to the sheepfold. Just like if I were to say, uh, you know about one who is an artist. Mention Gary Walter's name. You know immediately an artist and what he does. An architect and what he does. A, uh, an English teacher and what she or he does. Different characteristics of those people that are called to do those different professions. You know them. So it was that Jews knew about shepherding and sheep. It wasn't strange when God used this word picture, this metaphor of sheep and shepherds throughout the Scriptures from beginning to end. And when Jesus began to connect the dots for people as He stood before these crowds of people and proclaimed, I am the Good Shepherd. They would have immediately thought of their Old Testament memorization Bible verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Maybe they were thought of, of Micah chapter uh, 2 and verse 12, in which that minor prophet says, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of of its pasture. And we can't leave here today without mentioning Ezekiel, 
who, by the way, spent a great deal of time talking about shepherds and sheep. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 13. And I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. For I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. See, God is saying, I will be the shepherd of my sheep. Jesus is standing here before his people and saying, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says this uh, twice here in this passage, and he uses also the covenantal name of God so that it is beyond a shadow of a doubt what he was saying and who he is pointing to. He is saying, I am God. I am the shepherd of the sheep that God has promised would send you to lead you, to guide you. He tells us here in this passage three things about the good shepherd. Not only does he say, I am the shepherd, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd who knows his sheep and knows them intimately and personally. I am the good shepherd who protects his sheep. I am the good shepherd who provides for his sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who personally knows his sheep. Look at verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I think one of the interesting things about shepherding and sheep in the Old Testament time was, I believe I mentioned this in passing uh, last week, that as those shepherds came from the fields into a particular city, there would be a a collective uh, place, uh, like a horse corral, a sheep corral, where all of these shepherds would bring all of their sheep and they would go all of the sheep of these different sheepfolds into one corral. They would spend the nights there, And next day, the particular shepherd of his flock would stand at the gate of that sheepfold and call his sheep. Now, I've never seen it happen, but there are several places that I've read and people that I've talked to that has said this happens, that their sheep go with them. And if there's one of their sheepfold uh, who tries to go with another sheep shepherd, uh, they are immediately 
corrected and brought out with their own shepherd. That's what Jesus says in verse 3 about the sheep. The sheep hear His voice. And He calls His own sheep by name. He leads them. And they know Him and He equally knows them. In Ezekiel 34, we read... We read earlier that Jesus is the great shepherd. He is the shepherd who will seek the lost, who will bring back the strayed, and will bind up the injured, and will strengthen the weak. He knows his own sheep. He knows their condition. He knows if they're lost and they're not part of the flock. He knows when they're straying. He knows when they're injured. He knows when they're weak. That particular knowledge allows him to apply the right care to each of his sheep. Because he knows which one of those sheep are prone to wander He knows which one of those sheep need an extra prod with a rod and correction with a staff. He knows which sheep are weak and he treats them gently. Isn't there great comfort in that? In knowing that we are the sheep of his pasture. And he knows this flock, but he knows you individually. He knows your struggles. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your sorrows. He knows your desires. He knows you better than you know yourself. In a certain sense, parents who have had multiple children, I think, have a, a... little insight into this that even though our four children were a product of our union they are all different are they not one you could speak to sternly and he or she would get the message another you had to um, not spare the rod uh, because uh, that one needed a firm hand and strong direction. Some are very um, quiet and mild and others are very gregarious and outgoing. And yet, they're all part of that Spellman flock. Aren't we much the same way? And here the great shepherd of the sheep knows you intimately. He knows you personally. There's nothing about you that he does not know. And that causes some great uh, uh, fear, doesn't it? But also it gives us great uh, insight and comfort in knowing 
that he will never leave us and never forsake us. You see, the great issue here is not believing that Jesus is the good shepherd. I think the issue here is that we are weak sheep and we need the good shepherd of the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd knows his sheep. In Psalm 139, David is saying, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have known me when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize, he says, my path and my lying down and are intimately, intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it all. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Except for what follows in Psalm 139, verses 5 through 6. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me, David says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, is too high. I cannot attain to it. Who else would want to know us so well but the one who promises to be with us, to hem us in before and behind, to safeguard us, to minister to us even in our weakness. See, wherever you go as a believer, the great shepherd of the sheep is with you. He surrounds you. He never abandons you. He knows you full well your weaknesses, your strengths, and He gently cares for His sheep. And just to underscore that knowledge, what we see here is that Jesus says He knows us as we know Him, just as the Father, as God, knows Jesus, and Jesus knows the Father. Do you get that? Jesus says He knows us as we know Him, just as the Father knows Him, and He knows the Father. And you know what? I sat and thought about that in my study this week. And I I couldn't get my feeble little mind around it. Jesus knows us as God knows Him, as He knows the Father, how deep, how wide, how high is that love. They have belonged to one another for all eternity, enjoying one another, delighting in one another, dwelling with one another. Yet Jesus says that is His knowledge of us and our knowledge of Him. I know my own. My own know me. And even as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We belong to Him. You belong to Him. He belongs to us. And He is linked to the Father. And we are also 
linked to the Father through Jesus Christ. How can we be so sure that Jesus is this kind of shepherd? Because he says, here, I am the good shepherd. What does he do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. Look at verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me. Why? Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. As the good shepherd, he knows what links he will go to for the eternal Not the temporal, but the eternal protection of His sheep. That is a good shepherd. One who is a hired hand will not do that. One who is a hired hand, we learn from the Scriptures, will flee when the enemy comes. But this good shepherd protects his sheep with his very Life. That's what that phrase means. I will lay down my life for my sheep. For all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has placed the iniquity, the sin of us all upon him who knew no sin. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Why? For us. Yet he didn't open his mouth. And it says, Isaiah 53, Like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. Jesus says, He's not just a shepherd. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life. He dies for his sheep. He knows those sheep individually and intimately, and he protects those sheep with his life. Why would he give his life for something so measly and insignificant as we are? D.A. Carson. Professor at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago. Founder of the Gospel Coalition. Wrote these words. Let me uh, just read them to you, if I might. He said, The shepherd does not die for his sheep to serve as an example, throwing himself off a cliff in a grotesque and futile display while bellowing, See how much I love you. No, the assumption is that the sheep are in mortal danger. That in their defense, the shepherd loses his life. And that by his death, and only by his death, could they be saved. This is what makes him the good shepherd above all else. He willingly dies for his sheep to protect them. Think through that. If a shepherd dies, the flock 
is abandoned to the, the wilderness, to the darkness, to whatever might be prowling around out there. There's nothing left to protect them. And under normal circumstances, it's not good for the shepherd to die. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, said, I must die. I must lay down my life for my sheep and be sacrificed so that my sheep may live through my death. And he follows this up as we're going to uh, uh, determine next week as he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, not only do I have the authority to lay down my life, but I have the authority to take it up again. That is a good shepherd. Jesus says in both verses 11 and 14, I lay down my life for the sheep and a shepherd must be willing to sacrifice his life. But Jesus just doesn't say that he's willing. He says that he was born to die. It wasn't the power of the wolf. It wasn't the authority of uh, the, the son that, that leads him to lay down his life. He says he lays it down according to the will of the Father. And for the joy that was set before Him, He did what He did for you and for me. We get a wonderful picture of this back in uh, Genesis chapter 22. You remember where Abraham was taking his one and only son, Isaac. God had told him to sacrifice that one and only son. And as they're headed up to Mount Moriah, Isaac looks and says, But Father, where is the lamb? Where is the sacrifice? Abraham knew the answer. And he said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Here is the father sacrificing his one and only son. Here is God. Jesus Christ standing before his people. God the father sacrificing, laying down the life of his one and only son. So that the sheep may live. Here is that hymn, uh, that, that love that will not let me go. Here is the shepherd who loves his sheep more than his own life. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 verse 1 says that he is, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd of the sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep intimately and personally. He protects those sheep and He provides for those sheep. In Psalm 23, the very last verse there, you probably know it from memory in some version, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now remember, this is speaking of the shepherd and his sheep. Then he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
That word, surely, means guaranteed. It means beyond a shadow of a doubt. Even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surely God's goodness and mercy, His loving kindness, His covenant faithfulness will follow me. God's covenant faithfulness poured out upon us shall be the possession of His sheep all the days of their lives. Down in John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And this next image and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus has you in His grip. You will not perish. You will not be snatched out of His hand. And He will give you eternal life. Goodness and mercy, the psalmist says, follow those sheep everywhere they go. You can't shake that Goodness and mercy. You can't lose those two qualities. Whatever it is we need, He provides. Sometimes I think as we go through our lives, we, we're, we're, we have such short-sighted vision. We see with blinders only today and the difficulties that are going on today. And we become anxious and worry and we fret as we sit in that rocking chair and go back and forth and get nowhere. And this is why the Scriptures speak so many times about not being anxious. Jesus gives us so many object lessons along those lines when He's giving the Sermon on the Mount to all the gathered sheep that are lying on the grass. He reminds them, be anxious for nothing in Matthew 6. Don't worry about what you will eat or even wear. The Lord the Father clothes the grass of the fields. He feeds the sparrows. He provides for you, created in His image. I have this picture of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Remember, that was 5,000 men, it says, including the women and the children. So it's somewhat more than 5,000 individuals who are gathered there before Him. The picture of Psalm 23 is there. These sheep lying on the grass receiving the Word. He's preaching to them. He's watching over them. And the disciples come up anxiously wondering, how are we going to feed all these people? I've seen uh, that very thing go on when we had some fellowship meals and we had an abundance of people and it seemed like not enough food. How are you going to feed all these people? God will provide. What are we going to feed them? The disciples said, we need to send them away. And Jesus provides the food that they need. And it's not as if they're going to starve from missing one meal. God provides exceedingly abundantly. There's that feeding of the 4,000. 
Where Jesus is also teaching and, and the people are scattered on the, the hills, the sheep. They're all spread over that green grass and the disciples become anxious again. It seems like they would have learned their lesson. What are we going to feed all these people? How quick they are to forget about the provision that Jesus had made for the previous 5,000. He provides time and time again in the midst of anxiety and cares of this world, in the midst of storms of the sea, He calms our seas and enables us to rest. There isn't a believer here in this place who cannot stand and testify time and time again about how God has been providentially good, graciously kind, and ever-present to you. Continual reminder of goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives. As a good shepherd, he knows what we need and he provides for our needs. Before moving back here to Mississippi, we, as you all know, lived in Colorado. I was chaplain at um, Evangelical Christian Academy, a school of uh, two or three hundred students at Village 7 PCA Church, pastoring a church down in Pueblo West also. And I was asked, uh, believe it or not, to be in a theatrical production of uh, Shadowlands, the story of C.S. Lewis and his um, relationship and ultimately his marriage to Joy Davidson, who uh, they soon found out was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So one of the books that he wrote, um, Surprised by Joy, is about the suffering that he goes through and how he uh, deals uh, with life as he travels through the Shadowlands, the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Well, I, I played uh, the Anglican priest um, who officiated the marriage, the wedding ceremony, uh, while Joy lay in a hospital bed. And as I recall doing that, there were spotlights, of course, on the stage, upon the actors on the stage. And as I stood there, uh, there at the head of that bed, there were spotlights to the left and to the right, casting their light upon those who were at center stage. When those lights, those spotlights shone on me, there were two shadows that were on the floor behind me. When I moved, those shadows moved. The spotlight stayed in place. But the shadows moved and followed along with me. I couldn't get rid of them. They were there. They were part of the scenery, if you will, that probably nobody saw but those who were on stage. They would be there no matter what. They would follow me wherever I went. See, when the light, God's countenance, shines upon you, 
from the left, from the right, his goodness and his mercy shine upon you and those shadows of his goodness and mercy are there with you. You can't get rid of them. They are ever with you. You cannot shake them. You can doubt them. You can wonder. But they're going to follow you all the days of your life. For the Lord knows what you need. You need His goodness. You need His mercy. His covenant faithfulness. His tender mercies. Because the Good Shepherd knows you intimately. He knows what you need. The Good Shepherd protects you along the way. And He provides for you all the days of your life. And promises that you will dwell with Him in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, O Lord, our God, we do pray that we would be ever aware of Your presence with us as the Great Shepherd, as the Good Shepherd of the sheep leads us, guides us, directs us, provides for us, calls each of us by name. May we, Lord, be fully aware of Your goodness, Your mercy, Your loving kindness, Your covenant faithfulness that endures with us through all generations. Lord, we look forward to that day when we will dwell with you and our Lord and Savior by the power of his Spirit in the house of you, our God, forever. Amen.